0: Welcome to the Fantasy Champions Fantasy Football Podcast. Here's your host, Morgan Colby and Rick Lemon. Welcome in to the Fantasy Champions Fantasy Football Podcast. No Morgan today, just me, Rick. We're splitting up the shows this week since I'm moving. I'm literally currently sitting in an empty room in an empty apartment. Um, but you gotta do what you gotta do, right? So gotta get those shows out to you guys. We're getting drafting season, we're approaching drafting season. I think we're kind of in drafting season to be honest, especially by the time this comes out. So um definitely gotta get these shows out to you for some advice. So we got a lot to cover in this episode, a lot. We're gonna be talking about 20 total players. We got my top 10 tight ends and top 10 quarterbacks. And now before we get started, I do wanna say um Things will change with projections; they do every year, and then little things throughout the summer. You know, maybe D. Hop signs somewhere that can affect the quarterback, um, or Dalvin Cook. Uh, that could also affect tight ends. So, and then little reports from camps as well. So, there'll be some changes. There always is, but this is the base. This is the foundation. These are the top ten guys that I like at the tight end position and quarterback position. So before we get started, make sure you do the following. Check out our website at thefantasychampions.com, follow us on Twitter and Instagram, like us on Facebook. Our Twitter is the FF Champs, Instagram, The Fantasy Champions, Facebook, Facebook.com slash the TikTok at the FF Champs. And if you're listening to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or any other podcasting platforms, please leave a review and share it with your friends. If you are watching on YouTube, subscribe, click the bell for notifications. Like and leave a comment, either roasting me or Morgan. He loves that. So, <laughs> or just drop your top ten list. Where did we get it right? Where did we get it wrong? Um, what would you change? What do you agree with? So, I'd love to hear your thoughts. So, without further ado, we got a lot of players to talk about. Um, so, let's get started. We're going to start with tight ends first. So, if you're just one of your you just want to hear quarterbacks, I want to skim through this. But we're going to start off with my top ten tight ends as of today. Um, And I'm recording this at the end of noon. So things will change probably at the end of July after my projections. Again, I'll probably have a couple changes, but as of now, this is the basis, the foundation, and this is what I got. So number 10, I'm going to go with Evan Ingram. Evan Ingram is um, around, I've seen eight or nine on a lot of lists. Um, On underdog, I think he's getting drafted as the eighth tight end. I don't hate that. Um, I don't draft him typically a lot. I've got a couple shares of him, um, because I'm a maniac and I just do a lot of best ball drafts and I want variety. Uh, and he's good. I, I I feel okay about him. Um, he still got Trevor Lawrence last year. He was tight in five in PPR had a great season. I think some of that was that he was fully healthy, played a full season. Um, which is historically kind of rare for Evan Ingram. Um, I don't see that happening next year. I could see an injury out of him. Uh, also, it's a big Calvin Ridley effect, right? So, with Calvin Ridley coming in, I I personally think he's going to take the most targets on the team. Um, so there's not a whole ton of vacated targets. Somebody's going to have to take a hit. I think Christian Kirk takes a small hit, and Evan Ingram might take a small hit as well, unless Trevor Lawrence just has a monster season, which is very very possible in which case you want every Jaguar possible. You want Christian Kirk, you want Calvin Ridley, you want Evan Ingram. Um, And I do think that that is a possibility that Trevor Lawrence has a monster season. Um, If you want to stack Lawrence with Evan Ingram, totally be my guest. I would not be opposed to that. Um, I think after Evan Ingram, there's a real drop. So if you want to get those top 10 guys, um, it would be smart because after Evan Ingram, it does kind of drop off for me. So even though I do have him at 10th, He's comfortably there at 10th. No one's really pushing him out of that top 10. So number nine, I have David Njoku. And David Njoku, he, uh, he had a, also had a pretty good year last year when he was healthy. Um, kind of was up and down, especially you know Deshaun Watson being in there. He was up and down as well. Um, he ended up missing two games and was still the tight end 10 in PPR. So that's pretty, pretty solid. Um, and I do have him one spot higher than Evan Ingram. Um, partly because I think with David Njoku playing a full season with Deshaun Watson now, um, with a full offseason under his belt, uh, I do expect Watson to play better next year, which should lead to Njoku playing better next year. And they did add Elijah Moore, who I think um could have a solid season as well. But I think Njoku's probably that second option in that offense. If Deshaun Watson can play anything like he was in Houston, Njoku's going to have a really good year. And he was already decent last year with Jacoby Brissett. So, and he had a couple of good games when Watson came back. Um, he had an 18-point week with Watson, and then week 18 he had a 14-point week. Um, so, again, a little inconsistent, though. He had 3-5 or, yeah, 3-3-5 three, three, and five as well through weeks 15 through 17. So a little inconsistent, but, again, Njoku – Missed two games. Actually, I believe he missed three games looking on this list. Um, And was still able to finish as the tight end 10 in PPR, which is pretty, pretty good. Um, His points per game were really solid. Had higher than a lot of the guys that finished ahead of him outside of the top five guys. So um, pretty solid season. And uh, I think it's, you know, if you want to uh, nitpick at this and say you'd rather Evan Ingram... I'm not going to argue that. I think they're both very, very similar. Um, number eight, I got Pat Frymuth, who I think is also in this tier of tight ends with Ingram and in Joku. but I have Frymuth as ranked the highest. And I think Morgan would agree with me here. I mean, he's a big Muth guy, but uh, he's just really solid. Last year, he was tight end eight, right? He finishes the tight end eight. He missed two games, I believe. I know he missed one game. Two games with zero face points is kind of tough. But um, he was very, very consistent last year. He had a large stretch of games where he was getting double-digit fantasy points every single week that he was in the lineup. Finished as the tight end 8 in 16 games played. The big thing with Farmouth, and I think the reason I have him higher than Njoku and Evan Ingram, is he only had two touchdowns last year. We saw this with Cole Komet. um, And Cole Komet statistically ended up having a good season. It was kind of inconsistent, but he did finish as the tight end 8. But what we told you last offseason was... Cole Komet had a pretty good year the previous year. He just didn't have any touchdowns and it's hard to repeat that even in a poor offense and Cole Komet finished the year with, I want to say like five or six touchdowns Finished as the tight end eight. Um, so I think Firemouth was able to finish as the tight end eight last year with only two touchdowns is really, really impressive. I'm not saying the Steelers offense is going to be elite. I'm not saying Kenny Pickett's throwing 40 touchdowns or anything like that, but if the Steelers just have minimal improvement on the offensive side if Kenny Pickett can just have a solid, slight year two jump should lead to good things for firemuth who in that offense, when he's out there feels like he's probably the number two, maybe three option. Um, on a team that throws the ball a decent amount. And, uh, I think, I think more touchdowns are definitely coming in. And if he doesn't, I mean, he still had a solid year last year with only two touchdowns. So that's why I got firemuth at eight ahead of Njoku and Ingram. I think his ceiling is also pretty high entering his third year in the league. Um, it's going to be a matter of fact for, or it's going to just come up to Kenny Pickett though. If he sucks, then his ceiling is what it is. But if he has a good year, Pat Frymouth could have a really, really good year. So to keep moving forward here, we got number seven, I got Darren Waller. He's kind of an interesting player here, a little bit of a wild card. But I do like him. I do like the player. He's been really, really hurt the last two years. Hasn't seen a lot of playing time. Um, and I think it's scaring a lot of people off and it should because you have a lot of injuries or I think he's going to be 31 this season when it's coming up. So he's getting older. Um, there's a lot of question marks with him. He's on a new team with the giants, a team that did not have a good passing offense last year. A lot, a lot of question marks and a lot of reasons to be concerned at the same time. He has a very, very high ceiling for being the tight end seven. I, he could finish, I think, as high as the tight end, two, um, And depending on if you think the Travis Kelsey cliff is coming, maybe even tight end one. He's got that kind of potential with the Giants. Um, even though the Giants offense has been poor passing the ball-wise, this is probably the most weapons that Daniel Jones has had in a while with Darren Waller. And Waller comes into it as probably on paper their number one passing option um i expect them to feed him the ball and if he is healthy i expect him to get a lot of targets in this offense um how many touchdowns is he going to get how efficient is he going to be those are questions that are unanswered right and is he going to stay healthy another unanswered question but his ceiling is there and i think that's why um which for an older guy is kind of kind of weird but um, that's why I have him at seven and I've been drafting him a decent amount, especially in best ball, because I know if he does hit, it's going to be a home run. Um, but draft him at your own concern. I do think he is risky. Thankfully he's going kind of late in drafts. I want to say he's like a seventh, eighth round pick. So in that range, I feel pretty good about it. If you start climbing up boards and camp reports go crazy, I might back off on Waller a bit. Um, but as of right now at his current asking price, I like it. It's a high risk, high reward type of player. Um, you got to just hope he stays healthy. But I think if he does, he will get a lot of targets in that Giants offense. Um, and then to keep pushing forward here on this list, I got number six, Dallas Goddard. Goddard was really solid last year when he was on the field. Um, I want to say he finished as he finished as the 10 end twelve, but he was at eleven point eight points per game, which was f- among tight ends so when he was out there he was a top five tight end last year um so you could honestly say this could be a value here putting him at number six but um and and some people even have him higher some people have him lower he's kind of a lot of people are a little confused on what to do with him but he did finish as the tight end 12 missing four games five games last year which is really impressive if you go back and just look at his week-to-week stats He was consistently really good when he was on the field. Um, I think the problem with Goddard, I don't know what his ceiling is. Like, I think what he did last year feels like his ceiling in that Eagles offense that is really, really good. But they have A.J. Brown, they have Devontae Smith, and they're not a team that's going to throw the ball 700 times, right, or close to that because Hertz is going to run the ball. They like to run the ball with the running backs. Um, So it's kind of a limited – Ceiling for Goddard, unless he has like a crazy touchdown year, which could be the case. He only had three touchdowns last year, so you could see an increase on him. He's somebody who's not going to be a sexy pick. A lot of people he might fall in your drafts because of that, because people are like, "I'm not trying to draft Dallas Goddard in the sixth round." He ends up falling could be a really really good late round value. Definitely have him over Waller um, for the consistency last year. Um, I don't think the injury concern is too too much. Looking at his history. He's been relatively healthy. He did miss some time in 2020 as well. Um, But yeah, I think uh, Goddard's pretty good. He's pushing top five, and I think there's a real argument to have him top five and could be a real steal in drafts because, again, not really a sexy name, but he is very, very consistent. Number five, a lot of people are going to have this guy lower than this. Some people might even have him higher. It's a very controversial player. I'm going to go with Kyle Pitts, and I know a lot of people listening are probably on the first part where you don't want to draft him. And I understand. I get it. I would get avoiding him as well. But an underdog, and uh, if you do draft kings on best ball, which I do as well sometimes, he's not a bad value going in the same range as Darren Waller and Dallas Goddard. Um, In a lot of cases, I've even seen Dallas Goddard get drafted ahead of him. Um, and I do think they're very close when ranking them and they could flip-flop as the offseason goes along, but I, we I feel like we're just so quick to forget that Kyle Pitts is one of the best prospect tight ends of all time. If not the best, he was I believe the 4th overall pick, I want to say, um, in the 20 was it 2020 NFL draft, 2021 NFL draft, um, which is crazy for a tight end. And then, you know, a lot of people said, well, he's done nothing in the NFL. He's been disappointing. His rookie year, he was the tight end six with one touchdown. He had a 1,000-yard receiving season as a rookie. The dude is a freak. He's a superstar tight end in the making. He had a bad year, too, and disappointed a lot of people. Um, And taking him in the third round, we told you last year that that was a disaster with Marcus Mariota as the quarterback anyway. He also had some injuries. It just, it just was not good this year. Do I like Desmond Ritter? I think he's an upgrade over Mariota. Honestly, I don't really know. I'm not that high on Ritter. Mariota was really, really bad last year. I think Ritter can be a slight upgrade. But here's the thing: the year before that, they didn't have a good quarterback play either, and he was still a thousand yard receiver. I think a healthy Kyle Pitts. Even if Ray is kind of mid, which I think he will be, um, will should still have a bounce back season. He's too good of a player to not have a bounce back season. And he still showed flashes last year. Again, he still showed flashes last year. Um, I think he's still gonna have a ridiculous target share, which he did at times last year, not as high as you would expect. But the value is much better now. You're not looking at a third-round pick who's going to destroy your roster if he doesn't have a good year. You're looking at a guy who's like a sixth round pick who's now a complimentary piece on your team that has, similar to Darren Waller, I think, a very high ceiling and um, has a lot of talent. The dude is ridiculously talented. And I expect him to have a good year. It might be a bust. (laughs) It might. And I get why people would kind of want to avoid him. But I will choose the talented player over the guys who I don't know if are as talented. Number four, George Kittle. George Kittle, I feel like every single year was like three or four. Every single year he has really good moments, then kind of disappoints. But last year, the dude was a machine. It's an absolute machine. He missed the first two games of the season and still finishes the tight end three in PPR. He was a touchdown machine at the end of the season. He was arguably a league winner, week 15, 25, week 16, 30. Week 17-12, that was your playoff week most likely, and he absolutely dominated. He definitely at least got you the chip, maybe helped you win one. Kittle just historically, the only reason I have him at four, we know his injury history, right? He's always, always injured. Last year he had a career high in touchdowns as well. I don't know if he's going to repeat the season he did last year um, with all the weapons in San Francisco as well. We don't even know what their quarterback situation is. So it's going to be interesting to see, but I'm always a fan of George Kittle. He's going as the fourth tight end as well. Um, I would be willing to draft him there in like the fourth, fifth round. Um, he, he can he can win you weeks. He did it last year. He can win you weeks, that's for sure. He's a guy who can get you 30 points in the tight end position, which there's not many guys in the league that can do that. There's maybe like two or th- three other guys in the league that you can look at and say he can get me 30 points in a week that I needed. And Kittle's one of those guys. So obviously I think you can make the argument for even putting him higher. I think you can make the argument for putting this as high as number two, honestly, um, which is why I'm drafting him a lot, even though I have him at number four, because he's going as the fourth guy. So the guys ahead of him are getting drafted ahead of him. Um, so I'm okay with taking him as the fourth tight end, by all means, because I think they're very, very close three, Four, three and two at the tight end position are all very, very close. Um, and I think where they get drafted does influence how I draft them. And I think Kid was just, he's so close to being higher in this list. Um, I just can't do it. Cause I expect him to miss like three or four games at least every single year. Um, while these other guys, you don't necessarily expect that. So number three, a guy who has grown on me, not grown on me. Cause I've always been high on him, but he's kind of, there was, he got traded last year, the trade deadline. I was, a little unsure of how that would work out, and ended up being a fantastic deal for him, and that is TJ Hawkinson of the Minnesota Vikings. The tight end, two last year in PPR. He was a PPR machine. He was getting consistently targeted at a high level at Minnesota. Um, he had a was very consistent. He had a stretch there. Actually, pretty much his entire time, minus week 18, which chances are you might not even play. Um, He had 8 points, 11, 16, 11, 8, 15, 7, 10, 8, 35, and 12. So he threw that big 35 game in there to really help out his numbers. But you take that out, he's still consistently getting you around double digits or more fantasy points um, in that 8 to 16 range, right? Which is what you want out of your tight end with the occasional big week. He's perfect in Minnesota. He's their number two option behind Jefferson now with Aileen gone. I think Addison could grow into that role, but I think at least for the first part of the season, Hawkinson will stay that number two, and he might stay the number two option the whole season in a team that passes the football a lot with Kevin O'Connell, head coach. So Hawk is great, man. He's great. He's another guy I'm drafting a lot. I honestly am drafting the guys who are four and three more than the guy at two um, because again, I think they're all in the same tier. They're all very close and they could end up switching around, but Hawk's a great pick. I think he's somebody that, again, people are scared of because they're like, uh, oh, I haven't seen it before last year, and he's uh, he's not really – I don't know if you want to draft him as like the third tight end off the board, but it is worth it, um, especially if he can play like he did last year in Minnesota. So number two, a guy who I'm not drafting a lot, yet, I have him number two, is Mark Andrews. Um, and that's not fully intentional. I did. I have tried to draft him a couple times, but he just went, and he like at in the third round. And I don't know if I'm getting Kittle in the fifth, and I'm getting Hawk in the in the fourth. I don't really feel the need to draft Mark Andrews in the third. If they were all there in the fifth round, I would probably draft Mark Andrews first. But again, these guys are all so close. So I have Mark Andrews at two. Um, he's just been really, really good. Last year, he did kind of fall off. But it was because of the Lamar Jackson injury. Before the Lamar Jackson injury, the dude was on a tear to start the season. The first six weeks of the year 10, 25, 28, 3, 22, 23. Ridiculous numbers. And then without Lamar, he was kind of iffy and um, wasn't quite to that level. But he still finished as a tight end four last year in 15 games. Um, But you look at the year before that, he was the tight end one. I don't know if the tight end one is going to happen again. With Odell there and Zay Flowers, um, hopefully Rashad Bateman and Odell stay healthy. But on the other side to that coin is the Ravens are expected to throw the ball more this year. So maybe it evens out for him. Maybe those other guys actually help Andrews because the defense has to focus on Zay Flowers more than the defense has to focus on Odell Beckham and it could open up opportunities for Mark Andrews. So there's some pros and cons with him. There's some question marks, but considering just the history of the player, what we know he's capable of with Lamar Jackson, a healthy Lamar Jackson. Um, I got to put him at number two here, but all very close. Andrews, Kittle, Hawk, all very close. I think you could pick either one of those guys. And again, I'm probably drafting more of Kittle and Hawk just based on where they're going in the draft. Um, And then number one, pretty obvious, it's Travis Kelsey. (laughs) I kind of called for a cliff last year. I was dead wrong. He ended up having arguably his best season yet as the tight end one get 18 points per game, which is just ridiculous, ridiculous. I mean, that's like a top five receiver and he won a lot of leagues. Does that mean I'm drafting a lot of him again this year? Am I going to die on the Hill and be Max Kellerman where the cliff is coming? Partly. I'm not saying that the cliff is coming this year because Kansas city, who else, you know, it's Tony, if he's healthy, Sky Moore, can he take the the jump? Um, Rice is a rookie. MVS. There's just a, not a lot there at receiver. So Kelsey is the wide receiver one. He is on that team. Am I taking him in the top five? No, I'm just not. I'm sorry. I know the positional value and all that, but I'd rather just wait on one of the other guys I talked about before, because Kelsey will need to do what he did last year. To even be kind of worth the fifth overall pick. And even then, not really. Because he was, I believe, if you compare him to wide receivers, i will check right now. He was the he would have been the wide receiver five. So if you would have taken him behind Diggs Adams, Target Killer Jefferson, then he's you could make the argument he'd be worth it. So if he's at the end of the first round, you can make the argument that he is worth it there. But then you have to expect him to have the same year he did last year, which I would be concerned about. I'm not saying the Cliff. I'm not going to go that far, but I will say maybe a slight decrease in face points. I still have as a tight end one. I have drafted him, but I'm just not excited about taking him in the top five or even like the top seven. To be honest, even the top 10, I'm really just not excited about taking a tight end that high. Um, even if he is the wide receiver one, I you know a lot of people love him and he's very consistent the last couple of years. If you drafted him, it's really helped out your team's But the dude is, I want to say, 35, going to be 35. Like I'm not saying a Cliff, but maybe just a slight decrease. A slight decrease. He's going to be 34. Maybe exaggerated a little bit. But still, that's getting up there. That is getting up there for the NFL tight end. So there is my tight ends, my top 10 tight ends. Um, Let me know how you feel about that. And if you're here for the quarterbacks and you skipped ahead, you're right here. So (laughs) – Let's talk about the top 10 quarterbacks. And again, this list could change. I struggled even with number 10. Um, I was thinking about a couple guys here, but I landed with Dak Prescott. And Dak is not somebody I'm like thrilled about, thrilled the draft. And I think there's a couple other guys that you could make the argument here for. I was thinking about Tua. I was thinking about even Aaron Rodgers, potentially. But I landed on Dak um, because he has been in the past really solid. In 2019, he was the quarterback two in the NFL, had a really good year, almost 5,000 yards passing. Then he tore his ACL, came back from the ACL, and he was tight or quarterback eight, right? So that's a good season, threw 37 touchdowns, had a really good year, and then last year just had a really down year. And he did have some injuries, but even before the injuries, he was not um, playing at like a super high level. I guess he got injured week one, so it was just one game, but... Still, he wasn't like he wasn't great last year. Uh, Fifteen interceptions, uh, only twenty-three touchdowns, twenty-eight hundred yards. Again, he did miss some time, so those numbers would have been inflated. But just not a great year. He still finished managed to finish as the QB eighteen though. But the reason I have Dak there at ten, I think um, we've seen what he can do in the past. That that Dallas team is still loaded. They added Brandon Cooks. Uh, you got Michael Gallup coming off an ACL. A year removed from that injury, so he should be better. You got CD Lamb, still got Tony Pollard. They might bring Zeke back. The offensive line is decent enough. I feel like there's just a lot of things there where a healthy Dak Prescott, at worst, you're getting like the QB 12. At worst, um, and best case scenario, he's like top eight, top seven. So, um, I feel like Dak at 10 is a pretty good spot for him. I feel probably the most comfortable outside of the top nine. But there is a little bit of a tear breaker for me. Although, maybe maybe after Dak. Maybe there's one more guy in Dak's tier that we'll talk about. Um, but yeah, I got Dak at 10. Not crazy about him, but I do think of all the guys um, behind him that I was debating about, I feel most comfortable with drafting Dak Prescott. Um, number nine, I have Deshaun Watson. And I talked about earlier when I was talking about David Njoku that I do expect Watson to have a slightly better year um this year and I think that's going to happen and we look at Deshaun Watson last year he was obviously not good at all but again he hadn't played football in almost two years right so now with a full offseason in the books and some football behind or some football that he was able to play last year some more preseason action just as he gets his legs back under him I expect him to be good outside of his rookie year right 2017 was his rookie year, so we don't really count that. He still had a decent year his rookie year. Only seven games played and threw 19 touchdowns 8 interceptions. That's actually really good. And then 2018, 2019, 2020, he was a top five fantasy quarterback. He was number five each year. So I'm not expecting top five out of Sean Watson. But the dude is a running quarterback. And we know we talked about on the show with running quarterbacks. We love running quarterbacks. Um, He had 500 yards, 400 yards, 400 yards each of those three seasons before the suspension. Last year, in just six games, he had 175 rushing yards and rushing touchdown. Paced out, just quick math in my head, that's around 350-ish yards rushing um, with like three rushing touchdowns. And I think he could get about 400 rushing yards with about four rushing touchdowns. And if he does that and has a... Good passing season, like he has in the past. If he just plays close to what he has in the past, it isn't even w- exactly what he would be because then he would be a top five quarterback. But if he just plays close, he's going to be worth it as the QB9. He's a guy I'm drafting a lot of. I prefer the top eight guys for sure, and that, that's the reason they're ahead of him. Um, but if I miss out on one of the guys I want, I'm okay with waiting a round or two extra and getting Deshaun Watson, um, who I think win healthy. And if he, again, just plays back to what he was, close, 80% of what he used to be, he's going to be worth it for sure. Um, a little risky because there's always that chance that he isn't the same quarterback as he used to be and he, he sucks. And Cleveland made a really, 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 really bad financial decision if that happens. But uh, you take that risk, but in like the, I want to say, 8th and ninth round, where he's going, It is a risk, but it's not like a massive risk. It's not one that could ruin your team. And I think the reward is high enough where it is worth it. Um, So those are those guys. Now we get to the top eight. I want to say the top eight this year feels better than ever going into a year. Um, I feel really good about all eight of these guys. Historically speaking, we've talked about drafting quarterbacks, late streaming quarterbacks. This year, I don't really want to do that. I think I want to get one of these top eight guys. Or maybe nine with Deshaun Watson. Um, those are kind of my targets. And we'll start off with number eight, Trevor Lawrence, a guy who <laughs> sneaky MVP candidate going into year three. Um, he has Calvin Ridley. Let's just talk about last year for a second. He was the QBA last year. Okay, so he had a good season last year. He has a rushing floor, three almost 300 rushing yards, five rushing touchdowns, 25 touchdowns, eight interceptions, four four 4,100 yards. Very, very good season. Quarterback eight. Now you're going into year three. He's considered one of the best prospects since Andrew Luck. The best prospects since Andrew Luck. One of the best since Peyton Manning. One of the best since John Elway. He's in that S tier of quarterback prospects coming out. He's going into year three. Second year with Doug Peterson. Gets Calvin Ridley on his team. The dude could easily, I could easily see him throwing like 35-ish touchdowns, close to 5,000 yards. 300 rushing yards, five rushing touchdowns. And is like the QB two or three. Like I could see that being a possibility. The dude has all the potential in the world. Um, And to be honest, I'm just putting him at QB eight because the other guys have either higher ceilings where we've just seen them consistently be top five guys. And it's hard to just put them any lower. Um, But Trevor Lawrence is the QB eight, I think is a great value. And, uh, I would be willing to draft them, uh, which I think you want to say sixth round. I think that's really solid, um, and I don't blame you for putting him any higher if you do, but I couldn't really do that just because the guys ahead of him. But still love Trevor Lawrence, number seven. I got Justin Herbert. Herbert's a guy that some people might be out on because he burned them last year, and I do get that. He had a very disappointing year last year, but he was working with um, some Walmart guys at wide receiver. He had nobody for a chunk of the season. Keenan Allen was hurt. Mike Williams was hurt. Uh, Even Josh Palmer was hurt. He had like two or three games where he had his fourth wide receiver on the team. DeAndre Carter was his wide receiver one. So he was just all over the place. They also lost their right tackle, Rashawn Slater last year in the beginning of the season with the torn So The offensive line wasn't that good. The play calling wasn't that good. It was actually a miracle that he finished as the QB 11 with all that going on. He still threw 4,700 yards. Still. Now you get hopefully a healthier Keenan Allen, which is always, you know, risk. Hopefully a healthier Mike Williams, also always risk. But the two bigger things is you get Quentin Johnston in the first round to hopefully help out when those guys get hurt. And you get Kellen Moore as a play caller who should be an upgrade. And we just saw in 2021, him being the QB2, 5,000 yards, 38 touchdowns. I think he can definitely go back to that. Um, And if not you would do at least expect an upgrade his first two years. He had a combined eight rushing touchdowns last year, zero rushing touchdowns. So there's a lot of little things that went into last year. They ran the ball a lot on the goal line. I think just positive regression is a lock for Justin Herbert. And he's a guy that you expect to probably lead the NFL in passing yards or be up there. And if he can get that positive regression in touchdowns, like I definitely expect him to do the dude again, could easily finish as the QB two. I will say this about all these guys. The quarterback position, you want to draft one of the top eight guys. If you're going to take anything away from this show, take that away. Um, I like Justin Herbert, would easily be glad with him, and uh, I think once he's fifth or sixth round pick, not a bad spot either. Next up, I got Joe Burrow at number six, and some people might be a little shocked at that, might want to have him higher. Um, He had a great year last year, he was the QB4. But Burrow, to me, you could make the argument Has a lower ceiling than some of these other guys. His floor is massively high. He's going to be a top, you know, QB six or seven, right? Um, Which is why I'm still very, very good with drafting him. And I could even see if he wanted to put him higher than the next guy. Absolutely understand that because his floor is higher. But he just doesn't run the ball a lot. Last year was a career high in rushing for him. Five touchdowns, 259 yards. I don't know if that happens again. But like he is going to throw like 35 touchdowns, 4,500 yards. He's Joe Cool. You're guaranteed a very, very good quarterback if you draft Joe Burrow. So again, who am I to tell you not to draft Joe Burrow if you feel like he should be higher on this list? I'm very fine with that. You're very good with drafting Joe Burrow. Just don't draft him crazy high. But if you want to draft him and you know if he falls a little bit, I think he's going like fourth round, which to me is like a little rich. Um, but if he's like a fifth round pick in the same tiers like Herbert, sure, go for it. Absolutely. Um, he's guaranteed to be a very good quarterback. I don't see a scenario outside of injury where Burrow isn't like a top six guy, top six or seven. I'll say seven. Um, maybe top eight <laughs> because Trevor Lawrence. Um, but that's like worst case scenario, right? So Burrow is a great pick. Um, I just have him a little lower because I think the top five, to me, all could finish with the QB1. I don't really see Joe Burrow finishing his QB1. He would have to have um, a Patrick Mahomes, Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers-type pocket passing season, which is, I guess, possible. I just don't see that as a likely scenario, as the top five guys have a more likely scenario. Number five, this guy has crazy upside, and I think some people would be... Would rather take Joe Burrow or Herbert or even Trevor Lawrence over him. But I have him at number five just because his upside is through the roof, and that is Justin Fields. Justin Fields is a machine. We saw what he did last year on the ground. And again, for fantasy, that is amazing. We saw what Jalen Hurts did in his year three jump. I think Justin Fields is capable of that. They got him DJ Moore. They've improved the offensive line. I mean, his weapons now, if Chase Claypool is. Somewhat decent. You got Mooney, Claypool, and DJ Moore, Cole Komet. Pretty good, pretty good foursome right there. Weapons. Not to mention the fact of his rushing, which I guess we'll talk about now. Historically great rushing season: eleven hundred yards, eight rushing touchdowns. The only guy I think is similar in the league is maybe Lamar Jackson, maybe Jalen Hurts. But I think Fields is a better rusher than Jalen Hurts. If his passing just can improve slightly, he was QB seven last year. And this is the other thing that people I don't think realize. Because, yes, his, his floor is lower than like a Burrow or um, maybe even a, a Herbert or Fields or, or sorry uh, or Lawrence. But last year with crappy passing numbers, he was the QB7 because of his rushing. 1,100 yards, eight rushing touchdowns. Is he going to rush for 1,000 yards again? I don't think so. I would expect a slight um, decrease, but he's still the best rushing quarterback in the NFL outside of Lamar Jackson, in my opinion. And if he can improve his passing numbers, the sky's the limit. This dude could win MVP. This dude could be a top three fantasy quarterback easily if he gets those passing numbers up. Um, Is the floor low? Yes. Could he be a bust? Absolutely. I could see that happening. But with his ceiling, it is a risk I'm absolutely willing to take. And in a lot of drafts, he's going lower than Joe Burrow. I've seen drafts where he falls even around lower than where he's supposed to go because people are worried about fields as a quarterback on the field and I do understand, but you gotta draft a man. He's his ceiling is unbelievable. Um so yeah, this could be honestly the best time to draft him potentially if he goes off. Number four, I got Lamar Jackson. And I was even tempted maybe fields ahead of Lamar. But I go with Lamar. He's proven he uh, he should be healthy this year. Injuries have been concerned in the past, but um i don't expect him to get like 170 60 rushing attempts like he did his second year in the league when he finished qb1 but i expect him to have more pass attempts i think he gets a career high in that this year with odell with zay flowers um i think they got an improvement in offensive coordinator and this is a guy again another guy that he's saying this but he's a guy who could win mvp we saw what he did even in the beginning of last year first three weeks 21 42 41 like he came out the, the gate hot last year, um, and it just shows what he can do. He has been a QB1 in the past. He has now improved weapons, improved offense coordinator. And when I say improved weapons, I mean, like, significantly. Last year, you got to remember, Bateman was hurt. Uh, they didn't have Odell. They didn't have Zay Flowers. He was like Devin DuVernay and uh, just a whole bunch of random guys, Sammy Watkins, I believe, for a while. So now you're an Odell, who isn't the same player, but I think is still solid wide receiver two or three. You got Zay Flowers, who I think is a really, really um, shifty, athletic, talented young receiver. You got a healthy Rashad Bateman going into year three. You got Mark Andrews. The weapons are there. Hopefully the offensive coordinator is there and um, improved. And they've already talked about um, throwing the ball more, right? That's been a big theme in their offseason, in in, um, OTAs and everything, is throwing the ball more. And I think they will. That, to go with his rushing, um, I'll take Lamar Jackson at number four. And then number three, now we're getting to the the big guys. Any one of these guys can finish as the QB1. They were so close to each other last year. Um, And number three might be a little surprising to you. It's Patrick Mahomes. The QB won last year. Patrick Mahomes. I have a number three. And now the reason I'll say this, a couple of quick things. One, I don't know if the weapons are going to stay healthy and be great for him. I know that wasn't really a problem last year. But they did lose Juju, so you're losing a consistent slot guy who is probably going to be replaced by Skymore, but we just don't know about Skymore. Tony, can he stay healthy? So there's some questions there. Obviously not big concerns because he's still Patrick Mahomes, but just in terms of finishing as the QB1 could um, could be in question there. And then it's just historically speaking, it's rare for a guy to finish as QB1 back-to-back seasons. I want to say Josh Allen did it, but it's usually pretty rare. He's finished as QB1 this year, and then in 2018 he was QB1 again. But in between that, he was QB4, QB4, QB7. So I'm the QB3. I think that's a realistic possibility for him. Um, But again, he's Patrick Mahomes, so (laughs) I'm very a-okay with drafting him. Um, Number two, Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts, dude, might have won MVP last year. Um, You could make the argument he should have. Um, He was a guy we were really high on, and he hit because of the rushing, man. The rushing, again, we've talked about this multiple times, but it is king at quarterback. That's why I think if Trey Lance ends up starting this year, he's going to be a good value because of the rushing. Um, he had 165 rushing attempts, which is a lot, 760 rushing yards and 13 rushing touchdowns, which is insane. I would don't think that's going to happen again, but he only played 15 games, 13 rushing touchdowns. That's unreal. Um, and he was very efficient and improved as a passer as well with the addition of A.J. Brown. Um, you can't go wrong with Jalen Hurts. I think there's a real shot. He's the QB1 this year, um, especially if he can play a full season. Uh, he's got the rushing, he's got the weapons, he's got everything, um, everything you want. He's a great, great draft pick if you're going to take a quarterback high. Um, I was really tempted to put him in number one. But I just, I don't know if he gets the 13 rushing touchdowns again, and then how much passing increase will he get this year? Is he going to throw 4,500 yards and 30 touchdowns? I don't really think so. Um, but if he does, he's QB one, for sure. Um and even if he does what he did last year, like uh close to four thousand yards, twenty-two, twenty-three touchdowns, he's a top three, top three fantasy quarterback, most likely. Then number one, I have Josh Allen. I do. A lot of people might disagree. Would I rather have Jalen Hurts or rather have Patrick Mahomes? And I get it. I do, but we're looking at a guy who was the QB1 back-to-back seasons, which I said was super rare, and then last year, and arguably a down year. He was a QB two. <laughs> I mean, like he had five fumbles last year, 14 interceptions, a lot of turnovers. You still the QB two. This dude is ridiculous. Fancy cheat code because he also has the rushing, but, uh, but even more so than Jalen hurts, he's got the passing and he's a very good passer. He's a guy who could throw 4,500 yards and 35 touchdowns um, to go with the 700 rushing yards, like Jalen Hurts. I mean, he has everything you want in a fantasy quarterback. If I'm going to take one at the top, and I get my pick of the litter, I am taking Josh Allen. Um, he's got everything you want. He checks all the boxes. He also stays healthy, which is, you know, I don't want to jinx it, but feels like that it's due for him. And just, because he's not only a runner, he's kind of a crazy runner. But 17 games played, 17 games played, 16, 16. They played full seasons. Um, and then his rookie year, I, I want to say he, I don't know if he started week one as a rookie. I don't think he did. So he's been relatively healthy his entire career. Not even relatively. He has been healthy his entire career. Um, so you're getting that. You get the passing. You get the rushing. He's a guy who's finished as a top two fantasy quarterback for three straight years. He can Josh Allen all day, every day. So with that, that ends the long list of my top 10 quarterbacks and tight ends. A lot of guys we talked about, a lot of good players here. I think at both positions, you want to get the top some of the top 10 guys, which historically speaking, we have told you to wait on those positions, but I don't see a whole ton of value outside of it. Maybe more so for tight end. I'd still be okay with waiting on tight end. Um, but for quarterback, I'm, I would much rather have one of these top 10, preferably top 9, And even more so, preferably top eight quarterbacks. I want one of those guys. Really bad on my team. So, thanks for tuning in. Uh, Don't forget to check out our website at thefantasychampions.com. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram, and we will talk to you later. See you guys. Thank you for listening to the Fantasy Champions Podcast. Make sure you subscribe on iTunes and YouTube. And follow us on Twitter at TheFFChamps.